Our sermon today comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 130, and this is one of the Psalms that's called the Psalms of Ascent. So the um, people in Jerusalem would come back, or that the, the scattered Jews would come back to Jerusalem, and when you're coming back to Jerusalem, you're always walking up hill, so these are the songs. This is like the Spotify playlist for the people who are walking back to worship for God, and they've sing these 15 songs, and we are going to look at Psalm 130 today, and just consider how this weary traveler is praying as he walks his way back towards God, and see what we might learn for it from ourselves, Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love and With him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Lord, would you take your word and apply it truthfully to our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our ways. In Jesus' name, amen. This sermon is part of a series we're calling Sermons for This Stream. And the reason I chose that is I have a sense, some because of the culture, some because covid that as a church we're coming around the bend in the river and it just feels a little bit more like there's white water ahead. That's how I could guess. And so how do you operate in white water? When you're on the raft and you're bouncing down the river, there's, white water is exciting but it's also dangerous and you can bounce out. And so I thought I would just take some time to, to do some different sermons that all are connected to this same theme. And so today we're in Psalm 130. And I don't know if you've ever been uh, whitewater rafting, but before you get into the raft, the person gives you certain instructions if you fall out. And one of the things is they, they always are aware, hey, don't get stuck in a hydraulic. That's one of the most dangerous places in whitewater. And the way a hydraulic is formed is a large volume of water is rushing over a really large rock in the river. And as it rushes down, some of the water shoots out and continues to go downstream. It's called the outflow current. But a lot of the water turns back onto itself and creates a kind of spin cycle, which is white water. The water comes back up, and then instead of going down the river, it's forced back towards the rock, and then it hits the rock, and the water goes back down again. And so you're in this spin cycle. And if you fall out of your raft and you go over this rock, you can get caught in this spin cycle. And the spin cycle is very quick. So what happens is you come up to the surface and you only have one second to take a breath before you're forced back to the rock and then back down. And if somehow you don't get out of the spin cycle, you're going to drown. You don't have enough time on the surface to, to really take a deep breath. So it's a dangerous place to be. And oddly enough, the instructor will tell you, 
What you have to do in order to get out of the spin cycle is completely counterintuitive to what you would want to do. You know what he says? Take one deep breath and dive down all the way to the bottom. Now, if you're drowning, are you thinking about diving down to the bottom? No. No, I'm drowning. I'm trying to get to the top. But he says you've got to take a deep breath because underneath the spin cycle is a, an output flow that if you get into that, then it shoots you out into the river and you can, you can finally breathe. The, the, the way out is the way down. The way out is the way down. It's counterintuitive. And if I could title this sermon, I would title it The Rescuer Below. That the way you find rescue, not just from a hydraulic or from whitewater, the way you find rescue from your sin, from yourself, is it comes from below. It's counterintuitive, as we'll see. This morning, as we look at this psalmist, this weary pilgrim, he's walking away from himself. He's walking away from his sin. He's walking away from the world. He's, he's been in a distant land. He's been caught in a spin cycle. And he's come to his senses and saying, I, I need to travel back to God. I'm going to go back to the place of worship, out of the world and towards worship. And as we see in Psalm 130, he's going to communicate that he got stuck in the spin cycle. And then he discovered that there was a rescuer below. And this is, this is something every traveler has to realize. Not just the travelers uh, 3,000 years ago, but travelers today that have come to Christ Community Church in July of 2020 that, that the way out is the way down. I'm going to break the psalm into two different parts. First part, realization, realization. Verses 1 through 4, and, it, and there's three huge realization, realizations the, the traveler has to make. They're the same realizations that you, all, you and I have to make. And the last one, verse 4, but with you there is forgiveness. And then the second part begins with the next word there, circle that word, that, or so that. You, you feel that transition? I've made these great realizations that, so that I might move in a d- different direction. So realizations are going to lead to results. If I've really made these three huge realizations, then I'm going to walk in a different way. My life is going to have a a different path. It's going to result in a, a different way of living. And this week we're going to talk about the three realizations, and next week we will talk about the results. First huge realization, chapters, verse 1 and 2. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. In, the, in this depths, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive. I, I'm looking for mercy. The, the Hebrew word for depths here is almost always associated with water. The Israelites were uh, land-loving people, not seafarers. And so usually when trouble comes for these people they think of it as troubled waters something that they they fear being not being able to stand psalm 69 for the waters have come up around my neck you feel that oh it's coming up something's happening and i'm I'm just about ready to lose my life because the water's rising 
I've come into deep waters, he says. Save me, O Lord. I mean, you feel that sort of tension. It's my last breath. The, the water's rising. Lord, save me. It's the same feeling here. The traveler is remembering, I, I got caught in this spin cycle of my own sin, the spin cycle of the ways of the world. And he's reached an absolute, absolutely critical conclusion. It's the conclusion that every person who comes to Jesus must reach is that I can't get out of the spin cycle by myself. The current is simply too strong. I sin, I think I'm going to not sin again, I won't do it the next time, but it's a spin cycle. The, the ways of the culture are constantly beating me back towards the rock and, and they never really save me. I, I want to make sure we understand this in our minds, how this might work. I, I sin, I, I've done something wrong, I, I know it in my soul, my conscience speaks to me, and I realize it's not just the world that's broken, I'm broken. There's, there's something wrong in me, with me, and I realize it, and so I begin to, this spin cycle, and here's how it comes out, I, I promise I'm going to do better. I break the surface and I go, oh, I can't believe I, was, I did that. I'll do better. And that's all you have time for before you don't do it and you go back in the spin cycle. Or you, you break the surface and, and you say, well, I'll never do it again. But you find yourself in the spin cycle doing it again and again. And then you say, well, I'm not such a bad person. And then you lie to yourself by saying, I don't think it's a big deal and God doesn't care. This is, this is the spin cycle you could drown in. Or the cycle might look like this for you. you. You replace God with a counterfeit. I know I'm in a spin cycle. I don't like my life. I'm discouraged. I'm discontent. I'm dissatisfied. And this can't be living, so I've got to find a way to live. I've got to get out of this way. And I, I grab hold of something from the culture, something from the world that looks like a rope to freedom. And so I say to myself, if I can just have a little bit more power, a little bit more sex, a little bit more money, a little bit more education, a little bit more technology, a little bit more time, these things, I, if I could just get a little bit more, and when you say that in your mind, that's like gasping in the spin cycle. A little bit more. And you get it, and it doesn't satisfy it, and you stay in the cycle, or maybe from your discontent, you just think to yourself, I just need one more explosion of anger. I mean, look what's happened to me. And I need to get it all out. One more explosion of bitterness. One more way of envy. And if I can just have this sort of emotional outlet, then, it, then I'll finally get rid of it and I'll be out of the spin cycle. That's false. That's, that's gasping for breath. And you find yourself getting angrier and angrier. Same thing with just needing a little bit more. And if you don't get out of that spin cycle, you're going to drown. So what does our traveler do? He does the last thing that you would think he would do in this spin cycle. 
You see it, it's counterintuitive. He, he dives down into the depths. Out of the depths, I cry to you. I, I'm trying to get all the way out of this, and the way out is the way down. I'm, I'm letting go of any hope that somehow I can be good enough and I can paddle out of the spin cycle. I'm letting go of any sort of false or counterfeit God, some other rope that can pull me out, none of which can rescue me. And I'm diving down to the very bottom, and you feel, I want you to feel this as he comes down. It's like, oh, Lord, I, want, I, I just want you to feel what some of you have felt in this room, this moment of just absolute desperation. I have taken my last breath, and I'm down here hoping to find a rescuer. And I only have enough air to say, oh, Lord. mercy. This isn't somebody who's in a long conversation. This isn't somebody who's negotiating. This isn't somebody who's bargaining. This is somebody who's down at the depths and they all have a little energy to give. And what they give is in this first verse, oh Lord. God, if there's a God out there, can you hear my voice? Can, can you give me mercy? See, delivery begins by diving down to the depths. When you say, I've I've given up on myself. I've given up on the things the world offers. The way out is the way down. And I wonder if you've had a moment like this. Not the, the mountaintop moment that you get in some Christian circles. Everybody sits around, oh, I've had this mountaintop moment with the Lord. I'm not taking away mountaintop moments. You can't get to the mountaintop unless you've gone down. And I wonder if you've felt this depth, this drowning. I wonder if you've felt the weight of being stuck in the hydraulic of your own sin or love for the world. I, I, I can remember having this moment when I was 12 years old sitting in a church on a Sunday night. I didn't realize I was, I didn't even realize I was drowning. But I just listened and I thought, I'm broken and I can't fix myself. I had another moment when I was 22 years old saying, Lord, I've been trying to swim and make my life count and do it all on Paul's way and you can come along if you'd like. And I was drowning. If you live long enough, you get more than one of these moments. The the way out is the way down. And I wonder if you can articulate, if you can remember that moment. I wonder maybe if you're having that moment right now. All these things you held on to have all been ripped away by COVID. And now you realize, man, I built my hope my whole life on some false foundation first big realization the way out is the way down second huge realization verse three if you O lord should mark iniquities in the niv if if you should keep a record of sins this is the idea that that you're going to stand before god and he's going to be the judge of your life And he's got a record of every thought, every word, every deed. 
and somebody's just following you around from the celestial kingdom, writing it all down. And then when you arrive, they're going to say, let's just pull out that record. You excited about that? No. Paul, okay, Paul Phillips. This is everything you said, everything you did. Oh, gosh. Got a lot of black marks here, Mr. Phillips. I mean, it's, it's troubling. He knows if, if, if God somehow kept this record, he's realized nobody can stand. The Apostle Paul says the same thing in Romans 3. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one is righteous, comma, no, not one. And I don't know if this is why the Apostle Paul wrote this. Because if you say no one is righteous, in the, Hebrew, in the Greek, that means no one is righteous. But he puts a comma there and says no, not one, like to emphasize not, not even one person, because I think he might know that Paul Phillips might hear no one is righteous, and he might say, well, yeah, but he's not talking about me. I wonder if you've ever done that. No one is righteous. Oh, yeah, they're not righteous at all, for sure. But somehow you exempt yourself out like, well, yes, but I'm pretty good. And Paul wants to not put a period of that. He wants to put a comma and say, no, not even one. So he's saying the same thing the psalmist said in Psalm 130. And if you remember the traveler back in Psalm 120, he's in this distant land. He's disconnected. And maybe he thought he could be good enough. Maybe he thought he could be better than most people. Maybe he thought there was another way out. But now he's come to Psalm 130 saying, I can't stand. I cannot stand. The founder of the Methodist Church is a guy named John Wesley. And he was born in England in 1703. He was a very brilliant man, went to Oxford University, a great scholar there. When he was 23 years old, he got ordained as an Anglican minister. And from 23 to 33, he was an ordained minister in England with the Anglican Church. And at 33, he decided he wanted to be a missionary to America. So he came over to America for two years. And at 35, he went back home and resumed his duties as an Anglican pastor at 35. All this time, as a pastor, as a missionary, John Wesley thought he could stand. Part of his standing was, look at all the great things I've done. I mean, I'm a pastor. I've been a missionary. I, I'm standing on these things that I've done. And on May 24th, 19, or 1738, Wesley attends a morning service. And as the, as the service closes, they sing one final song. You know what that song was? Psalm 130. And this big anthem rings out, O oh Lord, who can stand? And he walks out and says to himself, I can't stand. He came to this huge realization I cannot stand and just I just want you to hear me you can be a pastor of a church you can spend 15 years on the young life staff and 20 years as a pastor and still think you can stand you can come to your church your whole life and think I can stand I'm doing it I mean I'm coming to church and you're caught in a spin cycle Later that day, 
There's no television, so you go hear somebody read something. Somebody invites Wesley to a reading, and it's Luther, Martin Luther's commentary on the book of Romans. So this was a transformative book for Martin Luther, who went from trying to earn his salvation to I'm saved by grace alone. And as Wesley's hearing these readings, he says this, and I want to just use his own words, about a quarter before nine, while Luther was describing, somebody was reading this, but Luther was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I finally trusted in Christ, Christ alone for my salvation and assurance It was given to me that he had taken away all my sin, even mine. You hear that? Even mine. He didn't just take away all sin sort of generically, even even mine. Why? Because no, not one, John Wesley, not one can stand. And he saved me. He saved me from the hydraulic, the spin cycle of sin and death. For some of us like Wesley, in order... To dive down into the depths, we don't necessarily have to let go of our sin. We have to let go of our self-righteousness. It's just the good things you think you're doing that's going to earn a platform before God. And you have to look at those things and say, i got to let go of all those things. This is so hard, but so critical to realize that nobody can stand the, the way out is the way down. You can't, you, can't, you can't keep coming to the surface hoping for some new thing to happen. No, the way out is the way down. And when you get down there, you have to realize there is no place for me to stand. There's no platform I can build for myself. And then this third and final and great realization that should be trumpets should blast. I wish I had a whole band up here of trumpets. Because this is such a, a great moment, these three towering words in the Hebrew. With you, forgiveness. But with you, there is forgiveness. In the Hebrew, it's just three words. But with you, forgiveness. Let, let it be said over and over again. Let it, let it, you f- it fill up your lungs like a, a man who's breaking the surface the man who's, who's done what's counterintuitive. I've let go of everything. I've gotten down to the depths. I've told the Lord I can't stand. And he finds a rescuer below. And the rescuer looks at him and says, forgiveness, final, full, free. And he gets shot out of the hydraulic and he can finally break the surface and go, I'm alive. That's the feeling you should have here when this man reaches verse 4. When I was four or five years old, I went to visit my great-grandmother who lived in Arkansas in a little town called Lake Village. And it was a little village around a lake, thus the name. So she lived in a little college on the lake. And in the summer times, we'd go across the street and we'd swim in the lake. And my mom was there, me and my three older sisters, and... I didn't remember too much about this event, except for I almost lost my life here. I'm walking around. I, I mean, I thought I was in knee-deep, maybe waist-deep water. But somehow I took one more step, and whether it was a hole or a ledge, I was drowning. 
And I just remember chaos, just chaos, four years old, a life flashed before my eyes. I mean, that's not much. Four years of life, I mean, that's, that went by in a second. And, it, you know, it seemed like forever that I was drowning. And I was like, ah, and then this arm came down and got underneath my chin and ripped me out of the water. And I remember breaking the surface going, oh, I'm going to live more than four years. That's that feeling this man has. Some arm has reached all the way down in the depths and has ripped him out. And is going to give forgiveness into his lungs and is going to find him a new place to stand. And that arm is Jesus when the man goes down, he finds a rescuer. A rescuer is below. With you, there is forgiveness. James Boyce, a prominent theologian, pastor. You may not know a single item of theology, but you know this, there is forgiveness. I mean, if that's all you know, you know something really important, something really key to the Christian life. And he goes on to say, forgiveness right now. You don't have to hope that somehow you might have forgiveness at the last day. No, you don't have to stand trembling and uncertainty until then. No, your sins have been forgiven now and forever. Amen. You don't have to say, well, I mean, I've heard the thing, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to make it. No, that's not the gospel. The gospel is you have been forgiven right now for every past sin, for every present sin, and every future sin. You're standing on a rock that's never going to change. Amen? I know that's what you want to say behind your mask. Yes, yes, that's right. And the forgiveness is without limit. It's forgiveness of every sin, not just some sins. We sing it, Jesus paid it all. Well, I mean, he, he paid a lot, but i got to pay some. No, that's not what this, this person is saying. He paid it all. Jesus' last words on the cross, it is finished. It's an accounting term, paid in full. Everything's been paid, Paul, for your forgiveness. There's nothing you can bring except for your sin to me, and I'm going to, to pay for it, and I'm going to get you to stand. That's the gospel. I can't say it any clearer than that. That's the truth. That's the good news about the gospel, that we are saved by grace alone. Huge three, three huge realizations. The way out is the way down. I've got to finally let go. I've got to finally let go of all the things I think are going to give me life, but they're not life-giving. They just keep me in the spin cycle. I'm going to let go of my self-righteousness that somehow I think earns me a spot into heaven. No, I've got to go down to the depths where I don't have any place to stand before God. And when I do, I'm going to find forgiveness. I'm going to find out that there, there really is a rescuer below the reason I titled the sermon this was one of my uh, top five favorite songs. And I have, I have a lot of songs in my top five, more than five. But this actually is in my real top five. And the title of it is called The Rescuer Below. Here's how he says it. 
I had looked above for rescue. The sight of shore sometimes brought hope. You feel that? Like I'm up here in the the sight of shore. Oh, if I can just get to the shore, then I'm going to be okay. My soul was unaware of the rescuer below. Here's his refrain. We're floating on the surface of this deepest mystery, unaware of all the rescues taking place beneath the sea. Where the one who dived the deepest, he waits for failing, falling souls. But the surface holds us captive from the rescuer below. Isn't that great? And he ends with this big anthem and he has a, an African-American choir sort of singing back up. If you could hear what I'm hearing, if you could see what I see, you would not mourn my drowning. You would come falling after me. After the service is over, I'll stand up here, pick up toys that have been used on the front row. <laughs> Love you guys. And if you just need somebody to, to pray with you, maybe you feel like I'm in the depths. Maybe you feel like I'm in the spin cycle. Maybe you just need somebody to pray about some issue that you've been wrestling with. We'll be here for you. But my prayer is that you've made these three huge realizations. But the way out is first the way down. You don't have a place to stand. But the rescuer, real forgiveness can be found from below through Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your kindness to give us these words today. To have someone write this 3,000 years ago and we can say, yes, I, I feel that, I need that, I need to make these realizations. And so I pray that these would be words not just spoken from the psalmist and not just spoken by me, but spoken by you to the heart of everybody here today that everyone here would know the rescuer, Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song.